Let me give you a list of words. Crowning, foremost, highest, incomparable, leading, marvelous, matchless, paramount, preeminent, sovereign, surpassing, top drawer, transcendent, ultimate, unequaled, unmatched, unparalleled, unsurpassable. Pretty impressive list of words, isn't it? How do those words strike you? What do you think they might be referring to? Are they a synonym for something else? What, are the, what is the, the image that it conjures up in your mind when you look at that list of words? Jesus, all right. Very strong. Good, good. Follow that, that line of thinking. Very strong. What else? The best. Nothing higher. Exactly. Apex. Good word. That word should have been up there, Jonah. Yeah. Top of the line. Okay. Anything else, Todd? Superior. Superior. Great. That, that word right there is pretty close to where we're going to go in just a second. Now then, let me list, read you another list of words. Burrito supreme. Nacho Supreme. Supreme Taco. No, the Supreme Court. I'm sorry. That was not subliminal. That was just... That was... I'm not making any statements. It was just... Yeah, there's... Yeah. Supreme. Supreme. There's a streetwear, a skater's, skater's clothing stuff and all. Um, let me see. How about Supreme Buffet? Supreme Hats? There's a Supreme Pizza, a Supreme Supermarket. There's Festival Supreme. There is Supreme Boats. There is Coffee Supreme Taco, right there, Supreme Taco. There is Coffee Supreme. Let me see. There are Supreme Pet Foods, Supreme Poteens, Supreme Hotel. And then there are the Supremes. <laughs> that first list of words is a syn- are synonyms for the word Supreme, that second list of products. What do you think those corporate people and that lovely group of young ladies are saying about themselves when they say the word supreme? They're the best. Bob, right? Good. Who else? No one better, right? What else? (laughs) If you email, yeah. Let me tell you something. That whole stuff, supreme taco, nachos, and burrito, that's probably an overstatement, all right? Worthy of praise. That's right. Let's talk it up. Yeah, this is the stuff. So it really is. It's the kind of thing where it's saying like, they're, just, they're trying to make you think that unless you're eating that taco, you're eating everything else is less than that taco. They're trying to say that unless you come and drink my coffee, everything else is just yesterday's coffee. What they're trying to say is that everything, all, we are supreme and everything else is just okay. Take out your Bibles. Turn to the book of Colossians. Chapter 1. Turn to the book of Colossians chapter 1. And there, as you turn there, let's review something from last week. We were in Colossians chapter 1. We were in verses 6 through 10 or thereabouts. There is this one theme that we were looking at. And it was this theme of, in verse 10, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects. There's, there's many places, especially in Paul's writings, where he is touching on that aspect. And we talked about how is it that our walk becomes pleasing. And if you look there in chapter 1, verse 9, we get that answer. He says that we may be filled with the knowledge of his will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then he says, so that you, your walk 
and your manner of your walk will be pleasing. Well, also, in Ephesians, Paul talks about, in Ephesians 4.23, you don't have to turn there, I'm just touching on it. He says, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Ephesians 5.10, he talks about finding out what pleases the Lord. So learning what pleases the Lord, knowing what pleases the Lord. Ephesians 5.17, there he also says, and therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then in Romans 12.2, which we looked at last week, we have this passage here, and then he's saying in Romans 12.2, he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. And so he talks there that transformation does not happen in what we do. It does not happen in our actions. It does not happen in anything on the outside, but it happens in what we know. As our mind is changed, everything else follows suit. What we know, what we put into our minds, is paramount in determining what we think and what we do. Therefore, think about this. When we are putting things in our mind, especially things as weighty as spiritual things and things pertaining to Christ, we need to be sure that what we're putting in is the truth about Christ. Here is some truth that's going to influence the way we think. In, in chapter 1 of, of Colossians, we're going to look at verses 15 through 19. I'm reading from the New American Standard. You can read along. We're going to start in 15, all right? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself may come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness of him, of all, for all the fullness to dwell in him. One writer wrote that in this passage, it represents there is no other loftier conception of Christ's person anywhere else in Paul's writings. That there's no comparable list of all the characteristics of Christ and his deity to be found in any other passage. In this passage, do a little Bible study for me right now. Count up the number of alls in that passage. How many do you find? Six. Six, Six, you know, depending on your translation, you might have something just, but you know, but six is what I'm working with. Can we agree on six? Six. In this passage, he is giving us this image of Christ of being totally comprehensive. All. Total. He is all. He is supreme. When we talked about a moment ago, that is the best, it is the top of the line. Some of the words you use, some of the words in these synonyms, that is exactly right. Incomparable, leading, marvelous, matchless, paramount, preeminent. Nothing else above him. Nothing else below, I mean, just nothing else even on the same level as him. And now, why do we know this? Why is he putting this right here? Because he is influencing this, the manner in which we walk with the Lord. He is after that right there. He is trying to teach them why, how they should walk, and what that manner of walk should look like. Let me read this to you, this quote here. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authority, 
all things have been created through him and for him. Did you catch that? In him, through him, for him. What's he saying? Is he leaving you any room to doubt? Is he leaving you any room to wonder if there's something else in the equation? In him, through him, for him. Look at the list. I'm not used to navigating all this stuff. Look at this list. In him, all things were created. There's one of your alls. Things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Now, take note, interesting in this passage here, all things were created in him, through him, for him, and look at what they are, in heaven, on earth. There's only two places that we can really talk about. All the heavens and our earth. Those are the two things we know, our earth and our heavens. If there's something else out there, we're just not aware of it yet. But he says, all things, everything we know, in other words, the heavens and the earth. Then he says, visible and invisible. Do you see that he's taking away any room for doubt? He's taking away anything that you might not know about. He's saying it's there. He's saying, if you can't see it, he created it. As a matter of fact, he created, it was created in him, through him, and for him. So first of all, everything you know about, heavens and earth, everything you can see, and then if you can't see it, that too. Thrones or powers, rulers or authorities. Now then, pay attention to that. We all sit underneath an authority. We all sit underneath a ruler or a power or a throne. We sit underneath some type of authority. Governmental, you know, at many levels, you know, from our township to our borough to our state, so on and so forth. And he says about those things, what does he say about them? Say it with me. In him, through him, for him. Let's do that again. In him, through him, for him. All of that was created in him, through him, and for him. None of that, none of that sneaked by him. None of that's out there that he doesn't know about. There is not a spy out there who's doing something behind his back that he's not aware of. There's not another government. There's not another authority. There's not another ruler that is out there that is sneaking around in the deep, dark jungles putting together a rebellion, putting together another kingdom because he created all of them that are. And then catch this. This statement, just think about it. What does this statement mean then? If all thrones, powers, rulers, and authorities were created for him. That one can get stuck right here. Because if you follow it out, that means ISIS is created for him. That means Hitler. That means any, that, may, that could mean your boss. I don't know. Any person who you deem as being bad was created for him. What are we going to do with that? 
How do we reconcile that? Because, you know, we have our culture, our, the world, thinkers, philosophy has always had a hard time of, of reconciling the concept of evil. Where did it come from? Who started it? Who's responsible for it? And the thing that always begins to trip people up and the thing that always kind of be a problematic is, is God, did he conjure this up? Is he responsible for it? Well, we'll have to tackle that another time. I'll just say right now that no, mankind is responsible for it because in our rebellion, we sinned willfully and we started a snowball running down a hill that created evil. Our hearts created evil. Our hearts in our sin started that. Satan helped it along. Actually, he is the author of evil. He is the one who owns it. He is the one who is always instigating it. And this passage, what does this passage say about evil? What does it say about evil? What does it say about those authorities, those rulers, those thrones, those powers? What does it say? For him. Can I tell you? You're going to hear about this, I hope, in the very near future. That even now, while we deem ISIS as being so atrocious and so unthinkable that we cannot think about anything at all that would be good about that. There are Muslims around the world who are saying, this does not compute. How is it that our people are killing us? This does not compute. This does not, I cannot reconcile this. And so the gospel is flourishing in the refugee camps. And Muslims are coming to Christ because the love of Christ, the forgiveness of Christ, the grace of Christ makes more sense to them than what they're seeing among the rest of Islam. How is it that ISIS is being used for him? Because many are coming to Christ in that situation. How is it that Christ, how is it that Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Sandy, anything at all you want to pick on, how is it that those things are being used by him, for him? Because it is in, the, it is in that place of great suffering and great need when mankind realizes, finally realizes, that they can go no further. That there is no place that they cannot help themselves. And that there's not another person who can help them. And they cry out. And they cry out. And it is Christ who meets them in that place. It is the church that goes in there and meets their needs in the name of Christ. Every situation like that, just about, every situation like that, you can document where the church has stepped into that space of suffering and has begun to work and proclaim Jesus. And so when we ask, how is it that all things are for him? Because he takes every situation that we would ever dream of and, we, and that we would think that there is no way that God is in that and God is in that. There are probably numerous, numerous, numerous stories that we don't know about and the one that we do know about that we probably are very familiar with and that's in the context of the concentration camps of the Holocaust. How is it that he was there? And you read Corey Ten Boom's biographies and stories and time and time again, she recounts how Christ was in the midst of the concentration camps and used that 
to bring others to himself. And the same thing is true for the Japanese concentration camps. You read about so many who were there and who proclaimed Christ in that darkness and people responded and came to him. And so God took what was dark, what was unthinkable, what was just unimaginable and he still drew people to himself and he proclaimed glory for himself and it was something good. It was something good. This morning... I want you to consider this. Let me give you a quote real quick. John Piper has said about this passage, and this is just a part of it. John Piper has said, All that came into being exists for Christ. That is, it exists to display the greatness of Christ. Nothing, nothing in the universe, exists for its own sake. Now that would fly in the face of current thinking, wouldn't it? Nothing exists in the universe for, the, for, the, for its own sake. Everything from the bottom of the oceans to the top of the mountains, from the smallest particle to the greatest star, from the most boring school subject, there you go, guys, to the most fascinating science, from the ugliest cockroach to the most beautiful human, from the greatest saint to the most wicked genocidal dictator, everything that exists, exists to make the greatness of Christ more fully known, including you and the person you're having the hardest time liking. Paul says in verse 9, he has not ceased to pray for the Colossians. He's not ceased to pray for you at Crossing Community Church. And he asks that you and I would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. And then he says this. And right now, church, right now, Crossing, right now, you sitting in that little gray chair there are thinking about a situation in your life that trips you up every day. You're thinking about a person. You're thinking about a ruler, authority, a government. You're thinking about a spouse, a child, a family member. You're thinking about an illness. You're thinking about a disease. You're thinking about something in your life that you're saying, I don't know how that fits into what you're talking about. Every day that trips up my manner of walk, and I have a hard time walking in a manner worthy of him. I get out of the house and I get into traffic on 95 and before I know it, I am saying ungodly words and punching my horn. Whatever it may be. Now then, he says, I'm praying that you will know all the right stuff so that your manner would be worthy of him. And then he says this, Christ is supreme. Do you see what he's doing? It's a very simple little math equation. One plus one equals two. He says, if you know the right stuff, then your manner of walk will be approving, will be appropriate for him. And then he says this, the right stuff you need to know is Christ is supreme. What you know and what you believe will shape what you think and what you do. What do we know and what do we believe? Christ is supreme. 
There is no authority higher than him. There is no situation greater than him. There is no evil beyond his scope to redeem. There is no disease that is invading your body or the body of a loved one that is outside of his ability to make it into something good. How is it that, that what we think shapes the manner we walk? It's that so often the place where the world is looking to us to be different is in the, con- is in the place of suffering, is in the place of sorrow. And so if we sorrow like others do, if we suffer like others do, without hope, we are no different. But if we come into suffering and we come into sorrow and we say, God is still sovereign and he will bring me through this and we have hope in that moment, we have proven ourselves different. Our walk is worthy of him and it will please him. There is nothing. So, how, so what do we know then when we look at our circumstances? And there are circumstances just this week that I've been processing. And I'm like going, this, the song that the children were singing all week long at Tel High, there's this part of it that says, and I might have the words kind of wrong, but this is what I took away from it. But it was one of the video songs. And it was that God is good, God is able. And in my mind, I'm like going, I need to see you able in this situation because I don't understand where there's any hope at all for this person. I don't understand that. And then you come to this, and he says, Tim, I know about that. I'm supreme over that. I know about that person's life. I am supreme over that. And then what am I to do with that? I am to be not hopeless in that situation. I am to not be overwhelmed for that person in that situation. Because he is supreme. What is the situation in your life that you're saying, It messes me up every day. I stumble over it. I struggle with it. I hate it. It's hopeless. And here in Colossians, he says he is supreme. He knows about it. He's in control of it. And it's not escaped his attention. If that is true, if that is true, what does that do for your walk? What does that do for your hope? What does that do for your fear. Doesn't it begin as we, can we imagine a place where we've placed our hope in him and believing in him enough that our fear and our hopelessness begins to erode and it comes to a place where we can be hopeful and courageous in that moment? And in that, our manner of walk is worthy of the Lord. It's what we know that affects our man of the walk. And if we know that he's supreme, it should change the way we walk. Let's pray, all right?